Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. the golden green of the Australian rugby union side, also known as the Wallabies. And I always feel like I'm a bit of a lone ranger when I say I love it when Australian rugby is strong. I love the competition between All Blacks and Australia. Um, they gave us a couple of frights in recent years, but if you look um, eerily down on the results for the last decade or so, um, I mean, we've held the Bledders Cup for a long, long time. I think it's really good for world rugby to have a strong Wallabies team. I think they bring an exciting brand of rugby. And I've always said I feel like the Wallabies team, and I've said this for years, I feel like they're, um, what's the word? Like mentally the most switched on rugby team, like innovative, um, some of the plays they decide, they're just an exciting team to watch. And a man that was at the helm of the Wallabies when they were incredibly strong worldwide joins us now, former captain Andrew Slack is on the line. G'day, Andrew. Very well. Um, As part of the furniture of Australian rugby, has it has it been hard for you in the last recent years? There's been glimpses and the odd wins, but um, it just hasn't quite been happening for Australia in recent years. Yeah, look, I'd consider myself antique in terms of the furniture side of it, but um, (laughs) look, I think whatever generation you've watched of, of Wallaby rugby. The last yeah, last decade or so, as you mentioned, has been disappointing, and there's, there's just not been a consistency of performance. And what you said before about um, the the innovative and you know exciting way of, of Wallaby rugby, I think that probably has fallen off a little in the last few years. We have um, you know we've run you close a few times, but I know from Eddie Jones' point of view now, from the Wallaby point of view, and the, all the supporters running you close. Sort of isn't good enough now, so we've we've got it. We've got to cross that line. Is it is it the concern? Like every great international team has strong building blocks through schools and club and varsities and and all of those feeder systems. Um, I, I don't know how much direct involvement you have with rugby in Australia at the moment, but is the pool that's coming through to push for Wallaby selection is that pool smaller? Yeah, look, it is. And even when it comes through, it, it moves, as you know. And, I mean, some New Zealanders have, have gone overseas as well. well. We've lost a few key players. And, of course, you've got that, you know, rule that lets some back and doesn't let others. But in terms of the, the feeder business, I think that one of our big issues has been, and, and Phil War, who's now being touted as the next um, Rugby Australia CEO, um, he, he said just recently that there's been a disconnect between the professional game and the and the community game, and perhaps all these, uh, what do they call them, uh, academies, etc. Maybe we've got too many. We need to focus better on, on that position. We need academies or an academy, but it seems to have been a little bit split. So that, that field of people who are going to make that jump to 
to Super Rugby and, and Wallaby Rugby has been a bit um, separated and, and not as focused as it should be. So, so I think Rugby Australia knows that it needs to work better on that. They've often talked about how New Zealand do that better than us, and I think that's probably the truth. Yeah, because Australia is a sporting nation. Like, we talk about us over here, punch above your weight. I look at your your swimmers, your cyclists, your rugby league players, your cricketers. You do sport really, really well. So do you think it is that you need to centralise the academies? Because Australian rugby's... Um, uh, experimented with the equivalent of our national provincial championship, but I heard that you were getting more more people to Randwick against Gordon than you were to Sydney versus Brisbane or whatever your MPC teams yeah. were called. You tried it. I didn't mind that you fast failed it. It didn't work. Is there that link between you know how do you make your Super Rugby team stronger first and foremost and push for Wallabies? There's there's nothing really underneath it. You want to put your hand up for Rugby Australia board? You make some sense. <laughs> Look, I think you're right. And, if, you know, I'm in Brisbane and, again, the, the club rugby, the South versus West or whatever, there is something exciting about it and we are getting people to it. Not enormous numbers, but there is that interest and everything you said then makes sense, centralising the academy. But what we, we do need is club players, um, provincial players and Wallaby players playing club rugby when they can. And, mm. and that's not happening. And, I mean... Again, you know, I'll be accused of, of, you know, looking back on the old days, all that sort of rubbish. But, I, you know, there's some things from the old days which are going to work. And one of them to me is having experienced players, that is Wallaby players, playing club rugby with the younger players. And that that's rugby under pressure. And kids are learning or young men or young women are learning off the, uh, the older, more experienced ones. But every time there's a chance for a, a Wallaby or a Reds play to play a club match, it's some excuse that, you know, they can't play because they played, you know, 90 and a half minutes this year and they're only allowed to play 85. I mean, I know, you know, you've had to rest players and you're super rugby. It's the same in New Zealand. I, I don't quite get that. I know there's times when there needs to be some sort of relaxation for play to give them a break because it's a heavy season. But I think centralising that academy allowing representative players to play more club rugby, that club rugby is going to build and I think the game will be better for it. Yeah, because then you're exposing it to, you know, Johnny that's 12 years old at school and he can go down and watch his local club and, and you know, there's, um, you know, some of your rising stars, some of your absolute legendary players. I, I wanted to touch on Eddie Jones, who I'd imagine you'd know reasonably well. I thought it was a great move by Rugby Australia to sign him because even without playing a game, everyone was talking rugby in Australia. Tick. It was on the back page, front and centre. Tick. Now they have to start to perform with a farm with much less cattle in it than when he last coached them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, if you look, I, I, I felt sorry ready when he was flicked by England. I didn't understand it. I felt sorry for Dave Rennie when he was flicked by mm-hmm. Australia on the basis that they've been given a job and they've got eight months to the big, you know, the big dance, as they say, the World Cup and both go. So I didn't quite get that. But you're right about what Eddie's brought in terms of publicity. But the only publicity rugby is really getting on the pages of, of papers in Australia now is when Eddie or Hamish McLaren have something to say. It's not about the rugby itself. Mm. So what you said before is, again, completely accurate. He's back and we've got a few people talking about it and there's 
it's created interest, but we need to perform. And those players, he doesn't have... I was a selector, a Wallaby selector with Eddie in the early part of the century. Um, and if you want an easy job, be a Wallaby selector then. I'll have Horan, I'll have Little, I'll have Eel. You know, <laughs> that, it was a piece of cake. We never had an argument. We got a well. But it's different now. We, he's got a, a Wallaby team. Where are we? Six months from the World Cup. We don't know who the halfback will be. We don't know who the five eight will be. We don't know who the hooker will be, and go through it. You've probably got Corabidi as a as a certainty, and no one else. Um, that's the worry. So something's going to have to happen in the next couple of weeks. One thing you can be sure about Eddie won't be for lack of trying or lack of putting them under the pump in terms of work. Um, but it's the personnel, it's the cattle you refer to. Um, people standing up in the next few months of of Super Rugby will be crucial in terms of individuals, and some of those have got to stand up to prove they're worthy international players for Australia to have a chance. I was surprised yet pleased with the announcement Rugby Australia had a surplus of $8.2 million in the last year. I'm like, how on earth did they do that? That is incredible when uh, New Zealand Rugby announced that I think it was $47 million loss in revenue. Uh, spin it however you like. And now we are seeing that they're in the position to make offers to Joseph Suali'i and they've, Eddie's made no secret. He's, he's, you know, he's talked about Nathan Cleary, whether there's any weight to that argument or not. And now we've got Volandis coming out saying, well, we're going to up the salary cap and we're going to take rugby players. I mean, Eddie would be grinning from ear to ear about this. Um, how much weight do you give that Eddie is seriously ch- chasing rugby league players? Oh, it, it's sort of Eddie Jones 101. I mean, it's just what he does, isn't it? And that's, that's why he gets himself on the pages. And, and Hamish McClellan, as well, a chairman, is, is not, I think, dissimilar in wanting to do that. McClellan v. Volandis is, you know, it's, it's a bit of a sideshow in truth. Uh, Eddie will, will get um, who he thinks will help Australia and who wants to play for Australia. I mean, if it's a netball or a tennis player, he'd take them. Yeah. Um, but, uh, look, I think he just sees that as, part of the um, you know the publicity drive. He won't be picking a rugby league player for the sake of it. They obviously think Suwali's got something that, that will benefit Australia. But but Eddie will just play the game. I mean they're talking about when all that came out they did talk about Nathan Cleary. Well Nathan's um, contract with the Penrith till the end of twenty five or twenty six. So who really cares? That's the media keeping the story going for the sake of it. And Eddie's not going to throw cold water over it. But, look, I, I, I think there'll be a... They made a big deal about it when Taylor to, uh, Sailor Takiri and um, Matt Rogers came over at that World Cup in 2001, but there was a few outside backs. I mean, there were good players. I, I think we could have got to exactly the same situation without those guys. Mm. It just was good publicity. The team was going well, so everything worked. Uh, I think it's a bit of a, a beat-up, to be honest, and, and Phil, Phil War um, also said something about it. You know, we're talking about that, uh, Suwali about Eddie coming back, but they're just sugar hits, as he called them. You've got to do the, the basics well, and I, I agree with Phil. Andy Marinos uh, resigning from his role. Uh, I feel like we're five minutes away from the World Cup. Do we read anything into that? Um, you know how the public is, very speculative, um, or as in his words, he said, the time just felt right. I, I, if I was CEO of Australian Rugby, just not far out from the World Cup, just signed a new coach, there's a few uh, contracts going around, but he stood down. Um, do we read anything into that? 
Well, the answer to your question is everybody reads something into something, don't they? Because we all have a guess. <laughs> we all wonder. And, you know, we can turn an orange into a watermelon if we write by the end of the thing. But <laughs> what what I would guess, um, and I, you know, I don't know the, the individuals well. I've met Andy a couple of times. I like him. I like what he's, he's done. Um, I think you've got, with, with Hamish McClellan, the, McClellan, the um, chairman, I think... This might be a personality issue. I don't know this, but you have some chairman who say, right, the CEO's a bloke, I'll help him and guide him. You have some chairman who like to be in the middle of the show. And whether the CEOs and the chairman like the personality of each other in terms of how they play their role um, sometimes ends up in, you know, tears or in glory. And I'm, I'm wondering if in this case um, perhaps there's some sort of disconnect between, between the two. Wouldn't have a clue, but some you can bet your boots that a lot of people will be guessing that. Um, and I agree with you; it does seem odd that um, that Andy would leave, having got us out of a pretty dirty situation to a slightly better one, um, leave six months out from from the World Cup. So, but who knows? It, it could be any other. He's got five kids; that's enough to want to give up CEO. <laughs> really. Oh, that is a really good point. Now, I've just checked my track and tracing, and it has confirmed that the crystal ball I sent you has arrived and it's sitting in front of you uh, to do a forecast for the World Cup sort of semi final type thing. How deep can the Wallabies get? Uh, look, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer in anything can happen at any time, and so, you know, we could get as deep as winning it. Would I put my money on it? Um, I'm not really a punter, but no, I wouldn't. I, I think if you're looking things as, as they stand now, getting to the semi-finals would be um, maximising what we've got. On the back of what I just said earlier about we don't, we hardly know what any of our any of the certainties in our team is at this stage, and and we haven't really put the runs on the board late. So you know, it would be it wouldn't be a miracle to win it, but I would think it unlikely. We got to the semis. We've got a pretty no such thing as an easy draw now in the World Cup, but it's easier than some of the other teams. So we should get to the quarters. Good day there. You're in the semis, and that would be a good uh, a good result. Um, of course, once we get there, we wouldn't see being beaten there as a good result. But you know, if we got to that back forward, it'd be. I think that we'd be happy enough. Truth. Last thing I want you to do is <clears throat> dig into your wardrobe, get out your select this cap again, and uh, you've got a Bledisloe Cup deciding match this weekend. Who wears 10, 12, and 13 for the Wallabies? Oh, sweet Lord above, heavens above. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, flatly, horn, little nose. I would go, um, <laughs> the bloke who's impressed me this year, and it, you know, I mean, you're not going to win a World Cup without a very very good fly-out. Uh, fly what do you call them? Um, first fly-out. Yep. First fly-out, that's it. Um, Carter Gordon is the guy I pick on form. The bloke from, uh, who's playing with the Melbourne Rebels. He's a Queensland guy. Went to school here. Um, I think he's been very solid. He, he's threatened, kicks well. Um, so if I was picking the team for tomorrow, I'd go Carter Gordon. Um, yeah, don't know about the rest. Um and that, I, I, but, I like I like Jordan Pattaya as outside ten originally, but they, they hadn't played any of there, so I don't know. I wouldn't throw um, James O'Connor out of the mix um, at inside centre. He might not even make the squad. 
Mm. Um, but he's looked sharp to me. I think that's his position. I've thought it for a long time and he hasn't played much of it. But um, the guys in the Canberra, and, you know, look, I haven't seen enough of them to, to really know who I'd pick at 12 and 13 at this stage. But um, I know I've seen enough of Gordon to say pick him at 10. And there's a number of options outside. You get the 5-8 right, the other two I think will work themselves out. Yeah, and, and I guess that sort of illustrates the conundrum for Eddie, doesn't it? There's not a lot of rugby to be played until the first Wallabies squad's picked, and so um, I sit back with interest. Uh, Andrew Schlack, really appreciated chatting to you today. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks a lot. There he is, former Wallaby skipper, Andrew Slack. Uh, just fantastic chat there about Australia. And is there anyone else there like me that um, I love it when Australia is strong? I love the New Zealand Australia rivalry that has been tempered somewhat in recent years with their poor performance. And it's not, and as Andrew just said, they, they're losing players hand over fist, A, over as soon as they show a little bit of potential. And international markets aren't stupid, and they're doing it in New Zealand as well. You know, the NRL are signing schoolboys and paying their school fees and saying then then you'll come to Melbourne or you'll come to the Broncos and they're signing 14, 15-year-olds. So rugby don't even get a look. Um, and, and it's a much more competitive market between uh, rugby, rugby league, AFL in Australia. And for years, rugby's been third behind those when it comes to the pecking order. They're still third, but it's now a distant third. You know what I mean? And it's... I really want them strong. I want the Southern Hemisphere strong. I don't like that France and Ireland um, are potentially the best two teams in the world. I don't like if the All Blacks if the All Blacks are playing um, anyone. Obviously, we cheer for them. If Australia are playing in a game that doesn't involve the All Blacks, I don't know about you. I cheer for them. I'm not saying I'm right, but I like our most fierce rival. I jump on their side when we're not playing them. Wallaby's strong. I think rugby's in a good place. So a big thank you to Andrew Slack for joining us. We'll be back in, what is it, two shakes of a lamb's tail.